Good afternoon, and welcome to the fifth episode of the Half Hour Call podcast, hosted by me, Harry Sutherland. Please be aware this podcast may contain strong language. Going forward in this series of interviews, I'll be talking to professionals across the industry who will give us their stories about what it is like to be a working professional in the arts industry today. Up until this point in the Half Hour Call podcast, I've only spoken to actors. Today I speak to someone who's one of the many people that aren't on stage. I'll be speaking to sound technicians, lighting and today, stage management. Matthew Hales has worked as a stage manager for some years. After graduating from the Royal Central School of Speech and Drama, Matt has worked solidly in London's West End, on tour in the UK and also in New York, working on productions as diverse as Burlesque, Thriller Live, Sweet Charity, Many Shakespeare Plays, Noises Off, and the Olivier Award-nominated production of David Williams's Gangster Granny. Hello, Matthew Hales, how are you? I'm all good, Harry, all good. It's lovely to speak to you, man. How have you been? So, all right, um, finding lockdown a bit stressful, starting to get a bit twitchy feet, but other than that, I think I'm, I mean, I'm bearing up quite well. That's brilliant to hear, and it's been a long time since I saw you last. When, when was it I last saw you last? It was December, was it? You know what? You're talking coming up to a year. Yeah, it was the end of Tom Gates when we when we did when I officially retired and then came out of retirement, but there was no jobs. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was in December. And that was in Newtown, wasn't it? In South Wales, do you remember? I, I actually it was a, it was a venue that I was slightly not looking forward to, but actually I ended up really enjoying it. It was actually one of the best weeks we had on tour, I think. Mm. Great. Can I uh, kick off today with some uh, 10 little quick fire questions? Just a bit fun, just to get to know you. Is that all right? Absolutely. Go for it. Great. Who is your favourite ever cartoon character? Probably Tom from Tom and Jerry. Oh, and he's got a new film out. Tom and Jerry have got a new film out as well, haven't they? Speaking of that. Yeah, I know. It looks could could be something to watch in in uh, the next six months of lockdown. <laughs> Are you an early riser or a night owl? Early riser. Summer or winter? That's a hard one. Um, I think everyone probably says summer, but um, I, there's something quite nice about the winter and snow. Mm. So, I, in in balance, probably summer because it's nicer. If you had a boat, what would you call it? Well, I have a boat, so I, 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 so I, I, my boat is called Darth Wader. So uh, there you go. That's the answer. <laughs> Who would play you in a film about you? About me, I think Bruce Willis. I think there's a there's a certain visual similar similarity, but uh, yeah, I think uh, Bruce Willis. <laughs> Do you dunk a biscuit or not? Yeah, dunk. Donovan or Bob Dylan? Well, it's a hard question. Um, <laughs> I've seen Bob Dylan twice. It's a hard question. I've seen Bob Dylan twice, so I'd probably in balance have to go for Bob Dylan rather than Donovan. He's a bit more real deal, I think. <laughs> we'll debate that. <laughs> Are you a snorer? Well, according to my wife, yes. Uh, and I believe there is photographic and video evidence of this, but I deny everything. <laughs> How do you like your steak cooked? Uh, well, I'm a vegetarian, so I don't like my oh, steak cooked. Oh, sorry. 
poor research on my part, isn't it? <laughs> Terrible research, yeah. <laughs> and final one, is it a scone or a scone? I think it's a scone. Good man, good yeah, answer. scone. <laughs> Kicking off today, Matt, can I, um, before we get into your, your career, I want to talk about what was your first ever memory of going to the theatre? Well, the thing is, see, I don't actually remember my first occasion of going to the theatre. Um, I came from a theatrical background, so I think, well, I've been involved in theatre, either visiting theatres or backstage, sort of my entire life. I had a strange uh, experience many years ago when an actor came up to me and said the last time he'd seen me was when I was a baby crawling around the stage in Leicester in 1967. So maybe that was my first experience of being on the stage. Um, my first show that I went and saw, I don't remember. I saw so many. So it must have been when I was sort of fairly young, maybe four or five, something like that. Wow. So, I mean, walking around on a stage as a baby in 1967, that's quite something, right? <laughs> I don't remember it, but, uh, but I, I was confronted by someone who said that that's when they, they last saw me. I suppose thinking about it, I think I went to I went and saw Peter Pan, perhaps at the, the Palladium. That must have been maybe I was a young kid. So it was like a Christmas show. So I'm guessing that would have been maybe when I was about four or five, something like that. OK, I want to talk about when you went to Central, if I can. Were you, were you always sure. were you always before you went to Central, though, were you you know, you said you come from a theatrical family. Were you ever interested in being an actor or was it always what was going on behind the stage? So um, I think I was brainwashed by my family not to become a performer, um, but it's something I never wanted to do. So I always wanted to do stage management. And before I went to Central, I'd spent uh, nearly a year in America, in Denver, working as a, a production intern, effectively doing stage management. So I always knew that's what I wanted to do. And that, so it was never, I never wanted to be a performer of any kind. Uh, so the, the logical uh, extension was to get the training at Central School. What, what were your days at Central like? I imagine what day were you, so what years were you there? So mid 80s, was it? That's very kind of a yes. So I, start, I, I was in what was called SM88, which meant that we graduated in 1988. So I was there from 86 to 88. So yeah, mid to, to late 80s. Um, we did very long hours, um, you know, because we were, you know, the first year was basically doing sort of, you know, the the the, the 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 teaching part of it, which covered stage management, lighting, sound, wardrobe, et cetera, et cetera, uh, and then sort of smaller jobs on the on on the on the final year, student productions, crewing, and things like that, helping with the get-ins and, and building sets. And then the second year, you took the senior role, so you took a head of department, stage manager, deputy stage manager chief electrician, sound, et cetera, et cetera. And that's what we did in the second year, as well as uh, I think we did a, a work placement as well. What, where was your work placement? So my work placement, I did a work placement for uh, at a TV company. Um, there was a, a tie-up with one of the, the tutors. Uh, and we, I worked on a, a BBC show. I worked on a couple of episodes. It was called South of the Border, and it was done... Again, I probably shot in '88 or something like that for BBC. So I did. I did. I spent uh, four weeks working on an episode of that as a runner. Wow. What was that like then? Was that just a crash course in learning, in learning how to how to do it kind of thing? 
Yeah, I, I you know, I, I thought, you know, I did do, you know, after having done left central and done theatre, I did do some television stuff. So it was a, it was an area I was interested in. Um, but it's very boring. You spend an awful lot of time hanging around uh, rather than actually doing anything. Um, and there's not much of the live performance involved uh, in it in that you do numerous takes. Um, so, you know, it's a different experience. I enjoyed it. It was great fun to do. Part of my life, I moved on. <laughs> so what, what was your first job out of Central then? Do you remember your first job? So my first job was I was the ASM on uh, a doubleheader of Shakespeare's Richard II and Richard III. And wow. that was starring uh, Sir Derek Jacobi. Uh, so we did, we started, we did rehearsals in London um, at the uh, Cecil Sharp House in Camden Town. And then we did uh, a couple of weeks, uh, sort of the tech period. We opened Richard II, first of all, at Guildford. And then we went out on a mini tour whilst we were rehearsing Richard III. And then we came into town and we opened both at the Phoenix Theatre. And we ran for, I think, about nine months. And then we, we're doing them in, in rep. So we alternate shows and then I think there was a sort of a, a, a tour tacked on the end of it, an eight, 10 week tour at the end tacked on it, uh, which finished again back in Guildford. So it was a sort of full circle. And so that was my first job as an ASM. Wow. How was that then? Were you, I imagine you were one of the youngest people on the crew or, or what was that like? Yeah, I, I, well, I was just out of drama school. So I was what, 21 or 22. Um, yeah, it was, it was great because you got to work with a, a lot of, you know, great actors um and i had the whole experience i had both you know the rehearsal period i had um touring which was a new experience to me and then sort of the you know the the, the luxury of a west end run which meant that i could be at home and then come in and do the show so it, it, it sort of ticked all the right boxes for me and from that point of view i had you know i had a, a really good credit under my belt um you know, having done my first job. So that was a, a great start to, to sort of, you know, to, to kick off after having left um, Central. So you were actually in the rehearsal room then? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So we rehearsed, um, we rehearsed uh, Richard II first of all, and then opened it. And then we sort of rehearsed Richard III, but the, the idea was that they used the same set. So we could rehearse on tour, on, on stage, because the set was the same for Richard II and Richard III. We may have done a couple of days rehearsal of Richard III in town before before we went out. Um, yeah, so so I sat through the whole process of going through from the first read through the meet and greet, you know, the the design and doing the show and tell of the set, uh, and then you know the whole process through the technical rehearsal and then in through to opening. Wow. So when I'm not sure how far forward I'm, I'm jumping here because I've, I've already. As we as we found out, my research is a bit it's a bit poor already. So when when did absolutely you... <laughs> you should know this by me by now about me, Matt. <laughs> when did you take a show to New York? Then when was that? So that was that was about seven or eight years ago. Um, oh, okay. So that's so I've jumped you know, quite a bit. Uh, so that's when I TV. You... You've jumped. You've jumped. You've jumped up to up to up to the final, nearly the final chapter. The final chapter's meeting you, Harry. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you've jumped. You've jumped. You've jumped a load. Get back to get back to your research. <laughs> but, but, but while we're here, though, talk about that. So, what, what was that like taking taking a show to New York? While we're here, let's talk about it. What was the so show? It was. It was a. So the show was a kids' show called Mojo, and was through a company called Theatre Theatre Rights. So we rehearsed the show about a year beforehand, and then we did um, we performed uh, at the at the well, basically at the Barbican uh, as sort of part of their Christmas show. It was mainly a puppet show, um, 
but uh, they were performers in it. And I spent most of my time in an entire suit of black material because a lot of the time we were on stage, but we were lit in such a way that, that we couldn't be seen. So things appeared to move magically. So it was a lot of that doing that. Uh, we then had about nine months off. We then went to do a festival in Salzburg and we did a week there of the show there. And then the show got packed up and put on a boat and slowly floated over to New York. And then we joined it about three months later uh, and we opened the show at the new Victory Theatre just in time for a hurricane to decimate New York. So about a week we had to spend lockdown in, in Brooklyn uh, because there was a massive uh, hurricane that took out all the, the subway, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so then we did it for three weeks uh, at, the, at the new Victory Theatre and then that was it. The show got packed away, never to be seen again. Wow. I'm, gonna, I'm now going to rewind a bit because I didn't realise oh, I was good. jumping ahead. <laughs> I didn't realise I was jumping ahead that quickly. Have you not looked at my CV yet? I have, but it seems that all the dates are out of order. I'm not going to say which, which yeah, website of CV then, I looked at. Well, you shouldn't look at those type of websites, Harry. It looks bad <laughs> on your browsing history. <laughs> so, so after your first job then, so you, so you were an ASM on your first job. When, when did uh, stage managing or company managing start becoming a thing that you... Uh, more attractive to just instead of just being an ASM. So basically the way it happens is there's a, there's a, there's a natural progression in stage manager. You come in as an ASM assistant stage manager, then you become a deputy stage manager. You call the show and then you move on to stage management and company management. Some people just stay at deputy stage manager because it's a different skill set involving calling shows. And they really enjoy that. And actually they're very good at it and become sort of very, you know, proficient and very expert uh, show callers. And that's a, a total different skill. And some people who are good ASMs aren't very good DSMs, but are great company managers and vice versa. It's a it's very different skill set. So from my point of view, I did theater for a couple of years as an ASM touring and working in rep. Uh, and in the West End. And then uh, I did a couple of years working in television as an assistant floor manager, floor manager, again, similar sort of control. Uh, I then did a job which initially was only a nine month tour as a deputy stage manager. Um, that was with the Reduce Shakespeare Company. It then turned into a 10 year job because we moved into the Criterion Theatre and it just carried on. So I spent nine, 10 years working as a DSM on the same show, which is quite a long job. Mm -hmm. um, and then after that, uh, after that is when I decided I didn't want to do DSMing anymore. I wanted to do stage management, company management. And that's all I do from then on. I've made an active decision to only accept and take jobs that involved being a company manager, stage manager. Some of those jobs involve calling shows. Sometimes you do that on Panto, which I quite enjoy. Um, so sometimes there's a dual sort of crossover role. But for, for you know, for all intents and purposes, I, that's what I do now um, because I enjoy it. Um, and sometimes it's nice to go back and call a show because it's a different experience. And obviously, as part of my duties, I have to cover the book potentially on some shows if people are off or sick or ill. So it's 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 something that I have to keep my hand in, which, again, is quite a fun thing to do. A little bit scary, but quite fun. Would you say you were a good DSM for nine years in the Criterion? That's a... Well... <laughs> <laughs> so, so it, 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 having called the same show over 4,000 times, it's a very strange experience. Because after the first six months, I never opened the prompt copy because I knew the show backwards. Wow. So I was able to read a book, 
newspaper, etc., etc., and call the show at the same time, which is a very odd experience. It was a very simple show to call, to be fair. Um, very professional, aren't you? <laughs> very, very professional. Um, but uh, it, 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 the, the setup was a very relaxed and, and a, a, a slightly different to most sort of straightforward theatres in that it was three performers who would alternate roles um, on, on different nights and uh, as to how they felt about it. So it was it was a very flexible approach. I think as a DSM, uh, it wasn't particularly challenging. It was more just keep doing it over the period of time. And it sort of fitted in with what I wanted to do with my personal life, home life, et cetera, et cetera. So it, it did have huge advantages for me. Career-wise, it's not a great stellar move because you spend doing, you know, nine months doing the same, sh- uh, nine, nine years doing the same show. Um, but it, like all things, there are different periods in your life when certain jobs become useful to take and, and work well for you. Mm. Can, I, can I talk about um, a specific job, uh, burlesque, if I can? Because if was... you want to, Harry, because <laughs> that was in that was if in you want arts. to, <laughs> that was in the arts theatre, wasn't it? It was indeed, yes. Because so, that's quite a small space as a stage management team. What what challenges did that bring? Because what, what the whole point of this of this episode, as it were, is for maybe young people who are looking to go into stage management in whatever form and stuff, and you know, to try and learn about people who've been through these kind of things and. And what, what challenges did you have with, say, bringing bring a show into, say, a small space like that? Was there a lot of challenges or, you know, what, what what's that like? Well, so Burlesque was a, was effectively the first job I took after I had been a DSM for 10 years. So it was, it was if you like, a slight step up. Um, it was a very odd job in that the show had been originally done at Wilton's Music Hall about a year beforehand and then was being redesigned, reconfigured to go into the arts theatre. So it was always intended to go into the arts theatre. It was designed and blocked to go into the arts theatre. We were very thin on the stage management department. It was myself and one ASM, and that was your lot. Um, I had to call the show, uh, as well as doing all the paperwork, uh, show reports, et cetera, et cetera. And it was quite a complicated show in that there wasn't really a script to it. There was a series of, 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 of musical numbers involving the cast um, doing their acts as such. And, and it was very difficult to actually block so that you knew when to give the cues. A lot of them were timed. Um, there was video and stuff that had to be put in. We had live musicians as well. So it was quite a complicated show to do and difficult to call. So I had to sort of prepare a, a, a prompt copy, a, a script of moves and write down all the moves so that I would know where to call certain lighting cues and sound cues and things like that. Um, it also didn't ha- help the fact that a lot of them weren't um, theatre performers. They came from the sort of the burlesque world and professionalism and theatre etiquette wasn't something that came natural, shall we say, to some of the performers. Um, and it was a very difficult show to work on. Um, there were a lot of problems involved in it um a lot of issues with with the cast so did you, uh, but did you it find great... yourself at, at parish notices having a, f- a few words and stuff and well it, again there were there were difficulties and i'm slightly choosing my words carefully here harry um in the 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 the, the, the leading lady was also um the partner of the producer um so there was all issues involved in that and uh and certain people had a lot of high status which perhaps they wouldn't have usually had uh, had they not been in a, in a relationship with the producer. 
So it was a, it was a tricky setup. Um, it, we we did a slight recast um, about three weeks or four weeks before we ended, and the show was totally changed. Uh, an American performer was brought over, so the whole show show changed, and it was done on a very short time scale. Um, it didn't help, to be absolutely fair, that the audiences weren't there, really there for it. So you were performing to less than full audiences a lot of the time, uh, which mm-hmm. resulted in uh, difficulties with the cast because a lot of the time uh, if you have if you're if you're performing in front of full houses a lot of problems seem to melt away as soon as the, the audience numbers dropped off lots of issues suddenly rear, rear their head and that's where problems often happen so it was a very difficult show to work on um i'm glad i did it because i had to deal with a lot of problems that subsequently i now know how to deal with or at least try and avoid. Um, so it was a great show to work on, but not a fun show to work on from my point of view. It was very stressful and there were a lot of issues around the production. So so I, like you said, then I imagine that's got good because now you, after that, you gain the skills to be able to talk to people about how to deal with issues. And and have you found that throughout your, your career as, as a company stage manager, that that's more commonplace, that, that there are a lot more, say, you know, without, without going into detail and stuff, that there is issues that a company manager has to deal with that maybe isn't in isn't in the job description, so to speak. Well, well you hit on a very important note there, Harry. The company manager is a very difficult job because effectively you are you you have to have so many different hats on. Uh, as far as the producers are concerned, you are their their representative. So when you go on tour and you go and meet the front of house manager and you meet the the, the press, etc., you are the producer's voice, and you have to represent the producer when in discussions with actors. I'm also a member of equity, which means I'm a member of the same union as the state, stage management and the, and the actors. So I have to represent them to the producer. Um, so you have this slightly different way where you have to put different hats on. Um, and at times you have to effectively talk to, to, your, to, to people who you are part of the team for, and but you have to give views which might not necessarily be your view, but you're representing the view of other producers or the performers or the technical stuff. So it is, you're often following quite a delicate path in that you don't want to betray people's confidence, but equally you have to, you have to lay down the law at some time, which is what is required. And there's lots of things you need to follow. So it is a tricky job to do. Um, my point of view, I always, I always think that the easiest thing is if you can come and talk to me as a company manager, we can shut the door and you can have a, a conversation with me and you can say things and you have to know that I'm not going to report it back what you've said because there has to be a, a relationship you have to have with a, a level of trust with whether it's the performers, the producers, the stage management, the front of house staff, the technical people that you meet on tour, the, the, you know, the merchandise people, all those things, they have that relation. They have to know that they talk to you, that there is a certain level of confidence and that you can give an honest opinion back. Sometimes you have to represent the views that, that you might be not in fully agreement with, but that's, you know, you have to say, look, I'm, I'm talking this as the producer's representative. I'm talking on behalf of the cast, et cetera, et cetera. So it is, it is, it is quite a, a difficult role and you often have to have difficult conversations with people. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, and that's part of, I think that's part of the, 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 the not the fun, but it's, it's part of, it's part of the, the, the deal of being a, a, being a company manager that you have to have these conversations. And sometimes they are difficult conversations, but ultimately sort of the buck stops with you because you're the person who has to deal with it on a day-to-day basis. Well, you know, I can talk from experience when, you know, we, we've been on tour twice together for those, for those listeners who don't know me and Matt have worked twice together before. And, you know, I can say that, you know, the amount of time, not that I was frequently in your office, 
but you know when when i'd come talk to you, you know it you always create an environment where if you didn't want it to go any further then it didn't you know your door exactly. was always open wasn't it you know well i think i think that's the point you have to, you, it's it's it you know i am employed by the producer as is all the cast, and it, it is my job to represent the producer and and to behave in a way that the, the producer is happy, whether it's you know dealing with with the various venues and the cast members. So you do have an official front, but equally there are times when there are legitimate grievances, not necessarily against the producer, can be against for hundreds of different reasons, and you have to be open to be able to listen to people's views and say, look, I take your views on board. Is it something you wish to to escalate, and or is it something you just want to blow off steam and have a, have a bit of a rant, uh, and then you're happy and we go away? So, mm. I think that's a, that I, to me that's the way I I go about it. Uh, you know, I, I unfortunately I don't actually know many company managers because I never bump into them, um, so I don't know how other people deal with them. That, that's the way I deal with things. I know stage, uh, you know, assistant uh, stage managers, deputy stage managers because I work with those, but I don't know other company managers because I rarely work with them. Mm. I mean, I, I think as well, you, you've got great ability to, like you said, when you have to put your foot down at notices or to people that you're quite delicate about that. Because like you said, you, you don't want to betray confidence, but at the same time, you know, you have to, you are representative, you know, and I think that's a good balance, I think. Well, I think that is the balance and, and different productions have different, different, um, different responsibilities. You know, you might be that you're doing a production where, you know, the, the cast have a legitimate grievance and you sort of have to represent their views to producers. There might be other occasions where the cast are potentially out of order and are, are behaving badly and you have to represent the producers, you know, legitimate uh, opinion on that one. So you do have, it does vary from production to production of what is required of your, of your, of your stance. Yeah. Can I ask, a, can I can we move on from this? I'm going come back to it later on. About uh, just, a, this probably sounds like a really basic question to you, but I'm, I'm interested to, to find out as someone who, is, who isn't part of a stage management team what's your process say let's set an example up you're on tour what's your process when you turn up to a new venue as a company manager company stage manager what's your process for a getting you know when you go in what's your process well it varies from job to job um but usually as the company stage manager i'm responsible for putting the setup so usually there's been a pre-dialogue with the venue staff confirming that they've had all the technical details put through which you email out so they've got a list of where the set's going to go etc photographs we've had a conversation checking that they're all good to be there at the correct time we turn up at nine o'clock on a monday morning or nine o'clock on a tuesday or whatever day it has been in, in decided there's the right number of crew that they've all confirmed all that if they've got any questions we've already had that conversation before we turn up so we turn up at nine o'clock monday morning we say hello to everyone. We walk on stage. The first thing I do is get out a tape measure and measure the set, uh, measure the width of the stage, just to check that my set will fit in there. I've already known in advance that my set does or doesn't fit in. We then have a quick meet and greet with uh, all the touring staff, the electricians, uh, the sound people, the rest of the stage management and the in-house venue, just to check that we're all good. Maybe run through basic health and safety, any specifics to the venue, where there's lifts, what, who's required to operate them, what the venue wants from us, Quick discussion uh, is had. I then do a quick talk about how the day is going to proceed, what the set is involved, how we're going to deal with it, what order it's going to come in, what bits are maybe any potential problems. This bit's heavy, this bit's light. We need to be a bit careful about this one. Uh, and then we proceed in the day as usual, which is putting the set in. First thing we usually do is drop all the lighting bars and put all the lighting because that has to go above the set. So that has to be done first of all. And that's been pre-arranged or we sort it all out. We'll then sort out where all the masking settles the soft borders, which is 
uh, black curtains which are used to mask the lighting and maybe the side stuff. So we'll get all the flying done before that. Uh, that's usually tea time. So we have a quick cup of tea. Then we come in, we'll lay the floor down. So the floor, show floor will be screwed down. That sometimes happens at the same time as the lighting that they're working at a different part of the stage. And then the set comes in, it's all built uh, in the order that's been specified and the order that's been evolved over the course of the tour. Um, then once the set's up, uh, the first thing we can do is we then uh, usually take a break and then that's when the lighting people will come in and focus all the lights. So that's a question of them going around on a, on a ladder or a taller scope and, and uh, moving the lights and, and positioning the correct positions. Uh, that's usually end of day one. Day two, the sound people usually come in and run their sound tests. They've already pre-rigged all their speakers at the same time. So they'll run the sound tests, uh, sound checks. Uh, stage manager will set all the props, all the dressing, all the, all the things that can be done. Sort out all the dressing rooms for the cast to come, decided which uh, uh, performer has which dressing room, set all the quick change areas if that's been required, do all the bits and pieces. And then uh, the cast usually turn up. Um, so we do a quick meet and greet, uh, parish notes. We walk around the set point out any peculiarities, whether the, the entrances can happen as usual, uh, any issues back to that stage crossover, water fountains, uh, fire escape routes, any health and safety things. Um, then the cast usually do a warm up, which is great. They have a chat and talk about how they had their nice days off while we've been working hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell me about all the fun they've had while we've been working hard. Uh, then, you know, the cast will do a vocal warm up. Uh, then uh, we do our usual shows, we do a pre-show check, half hour call, uh, cars start getting into costume, I'll open the house, meet the front of house manager, before that maybe I've done merch, so giving them all the t-shirts, programs, owls, gangster masks, any other tote that we're touring that we've given to the, them to sell to the to the audience. Um, and then we do the show, uh, you know, with the, the half hour, the 15, five and then beginners and we do the show and that's the way it goes. We do our eight shows a week or 10 shows a week or 12, whatever that it's been agreed. End of the week, cast all go. Isn't it been a hard week? They all go and we take the all set down till four o'clock in the morning, load it into the back <laughs> of the truck and off we go to the next venue. Wow. I mean, that, I was not expecting that much detail. I'll be, I'll be totally But I didn't, I didn't mention dealing, dealing with all the press and photography, dealing with the fact that the cast members need to get tickets for their friends, um, perhaps a doctor's appointment for a sound man or whatever, all those other things we're dealing with, um, you know, all those things that you, you do as well. Uh, after every show, we're doing the show report. Hmm. I'm dealing with the petty cash payments. Uh, I might have to deal with the wages, so uh, I might have to be preparing next week's wages and, and sending that all off. Um, dealing with all the figures, emailing the figures to the producers, making sure they know what's going on. Uh, Counting up the merch at the end of the uh, end of the week, checking that, that we've sold the right number of T-shirts and that we've got the right number back. You know, all those things we do. What about say, what's your involvement? Or I mean, I'd never say you panic because you're not a panicky person. You're a calm person. What would you say is your? If I mean, you, you know, we, we've had it where say at the half or or you know an hour before an understudy is going on. What goes through your head as a company manager then? How how do you deal with that situation? Is that a stressful situation for you or? What goes on? Well, uh, so it's it's it, everything like that is stressful. But if you've planned and you've got your plan B and plan C and ready to go, then it's a question of already doing what's been rehearsed. You know, as you know, on a tour, you've already rehearsed your understudies in. You've got maybe one or two different versions of covers and you've rehearsed all those. Um, I like to try and do as soon as possible a rehearsal with the understudy in costume, which takes out all wigs, which takes out another 
potential for source of stress about quick changes and things like that. And hopefully we just say, okay, we're going to plan B and we're changing the cast and off we go. And it's then a question of, it's something that's been agreed and arranged and rehearse and we all know what's happening just a question of notifying the producers that there's going to be an understudy on notifying the front of house so they can put the correct signage up so that the the audience when coming knows exactly who is performing um and you have to deal with it that way um you know sometimes things happen mid-show and then that's making up as you go along um and that's uh, uh you know uh, i've never had to stop a show because uh, someone's been unable to perform halfway through but obviously, if that was the case, then that might be a question of stopping the show, putting an understudy in and then restarting the show. I've never had that happen. I've had people come off at the interval and we were able to rejig stuff at the interval to cover it. I've had people come off with 10 minutes to go, but their, their significant performance has been done. So we were able to carry on the show without that performer because they didn't have anything important to do. Um, but, you know, that, that's that's what you have to do. You have to deal with it. And it is exciting. And that's when the adrenaline starts to pump. But, but, you know, hopefully you've got your sheets of paper that you can pull out with what happens in this eventuality. And hopefully because you've planned everything, you have all these different eventualities sorted out. So it's just a question of reverting to what we've already rehearsed and we talk it all through with everyone. It might be a question of, of holding the house so that we've got a little additional time to work through things. But, you know, that's what we do. What about, I mean, you touched upon show stops there. What's what's your what's your process in a, in a show stop? Because you know we we've had a few show stops together. What's your, you know, what's your what's your procedure in that? How do you deal with that? Well, it, again, it depends. Certain shows have a, have a, have a certain look procedure that they'll drop uh, drop the iron and then they'll play a pre-show rec- announcement. Uh, that's what we had an awful auntie, if you remember, as saying that there's a, been a technical issue and then when the iron goes out the show carries on from a certain point. Um, Sometimes it's a question of uh, where were we? We were in uh, Tunbridge Wells. I think it was on, I think it was on Granny where there was a lightning strike uh, and took out all the power and literally everything died on stage. And so, so I, I was backstage. I ran on stage. We we call the show a halt. You apologize to the audience. We get the house lights up, explain the situation, cast, leave the stage. Uh, we reset until we got the power back and then we restart it again. Um, sometimes it involves going on stage and, and, and letting the audience know what's happening. But after all, it's a live performance. Um, the audience is actually secretly quite like things going wrong because they can see things going wrong. It makes it, it proves that it's a live performance. It's 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 why people go to the theatre and not watch the DVD every time because it is a separate performance. Um, and, it, it you know, it, it proves it's a live performance and, and that things can happen, which is part of the excitement of, of working on a, on a, on a theatre show. Hmm. Can I, um, yeah, that was really in depth. I wasn't, I wasn't expecting that in depth. Can I talk about Noises Off? Because you did Noises Off, didn't you? Absolutely. Was that yes, I did a indeed. technical nightmare or was that, you know, for anyone who doesn't know, is it the first half is you see the audience's point of view, but from this, in the second act, you see the backstage point of view, don't you, of the set? So what, what was that like as a, as a production to run? So, um, again, that, that was that was done. Uh, it was an old Vic production, but they decided they were going to put it out on tour. So the production already existed, although it was an entirely new cast. So it, it is a difficult show because it, the whole set is built on a revolve and the whole revolve spins in the interval or there's actually one quick change. Um, uh, act three is back with the audience watching it as it happens. Uh, it is a technical difficulty. It's it's uh, from the cast. It's very difficult because they have to perform the same scene four different times with minor variations. So as far as learning learning their track, 
learning their lines, their different variants. And it is quite tricky and it's easy to trip up. Um, from my point of view, it was a great show to work on. Uh, it's it's a great piece as such. Um, technically, it's difficult because things have to go wrong, intentionally wrong, and it not look like it's a, a mistake. And of course, you've got the the, 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 the the very quick scene changes where the whole set revolves and you have to move very quickly. Um, mm. So I really enjoyed that show. It, because the show existed as such before I took over, there was sort of the, uh, plan A and plan B had already been sorted out. So it was a question of, of putting them into practice. The issue was that you had every week is that you had a new stage crew coming along. So we had to have a, a rehearsal with the stage crew as part of the scene changes so that the, the new venue staff who would only have maybe an hour to get used to the scene changes had to do that, had to learn that. And we do that once every week because there'd be new crew coming in every week to, to, to take part in it. So from that point of view, it was ensuring that they were all on board, talking through and also supervising the new crew because you had to make sure they were doing what they said they were doing and what it said on the piece of paper they were doing. Hmm. So what, can I ask about that then? So what, which do you prefer? Do you prefer to open a production or do you prefer to take over? Which, which is easier for you? Um, it, it, it depends. Uh, they're both different challenges. You know, taking over on a show means that sometimes you inherit a cast, uh, a technical team and ways of working, which sometimes is difficult to change because people say, well, I've been doing it for six months. Why should we change it? So you're often having to take on board the way things have been done and slightly adapt them rather than making any changes. Whereas when the production starts, you can do it in the way that you wish it to be done. Um, so there are different challenges. Um, obviously, taking a uh, starting a show yourself is more fun because you can you can you can decide exactly how things go. But often, think how you want things to go. They don't end up going that way. They evolve in their own way. It's more of a challenge taking over because you're taking over with staff who have, do things in a certain way and have a certain way of setup of doing things. And sometimes you have to you know change things or tread carefully if you want to make changes in the way everyone works mm. and, and do you find yourself when you are taking over production that there's there's much more conversation say to be had between say pre-existing techies on there you know you've got to do you find yourself learning say good or bad habits from asms already on it or wardrobe already on it or do you find yourself you just slot in and just get on with it kind of thing well you, the, the other issue is that when you join a show they know the show better than you do because they've been working on it for six months or nine months and you're the new person coming in. So coming in and saying, let's change this, there may be a really good reason why you shouldn't change it. So you have to learn the show before you start changing things. So I always try and do three or four weeks just actually understanding the show, wondering what everyone does before you want to make any changes, because there may be a really good reason why you don't change things. And sometimes coming in and sort of beating your chest and saying you need to be done a certain way doesn't actually... Uh, isn't productive for the show. And there's a reason why it shouldn't be done that way. Um, it also gives you an idea to find out how people work. And, and sometimes having a new person coming is a good idea. And people actually welcome that, say, well, we've always thought we should change it, but we never got around to doing it. Now a new person comes in is a great idea. Hmm. Do you have a favorite job you've done? What's your favorite? Favorite show, do you mean? Yeah, favorite show. Um, it's odd because sometimes your favorite show is not necessarily is a, is, a, is a show that you would want to watch several times. Um, it's often, it usually comes down to the people you're working on the show. If you can work with people who are, you get on with, that makes 99% of my job easy. 
if you're working with people, it might be a very easy set to put up, but if they're people who uh, you don't get on with or, or whatever, then suddenly it becomes a nightmare job and becomes very difficult. And the most simple tasks sometimes become incredibly difficult. So it tends to go on the personalities of the people you're working with, irrespective of the difficulty of the job. Some of the more difficult jobs are actually easier and vice versa. So, you know, I, I, I've worked with, with yourself and Birmingham Stage. I've done, I think, three or four jobs with them. There are producers I enjoy working with. I enjoy some of the cast that they regularly use. So that's a good job to do. And I know that they, they, they are a management that if there is a problem and you have a, a reasonable conversation, you know that you're going to have a reasonable answer and they'll be flexible to, to the needs of the production because they understand that. So that's a good company to work with as far as I'm concerned, which is why I've worked with them three or four times. Mm. I mean, I remember the excitement of when, because I was on Tom Gates before you joined, and I remember the excitement because, you know, we, we finished Auntie, what, six months beforehand at the Bloomsbury Theatre and then, you know, you were like retiring, that's it, I'm done. And then uh, I remember about, May June time, there was a there was a rumor floating about that you were going to be coming out of retirement to do the last six months, <laughs> and we were praying that it was true. And I, I think I remember me and Ash, we met you for drinks, I think, didn't we? And then you said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm coming back." And it was like, "Yes, get in." Massive. Well, it, it was very odd because I I I didn't agree to come back, and then I had a message from either yourself or Ashley telling me that I'd agreed, and I hadn't agreed. <laughs> So I thought, well, I can't let them down. It's been announced that I'm going to be joining. I better sign a contract. Um, <laughs> but yeah, again, uh, the, the preceding job to that, uh, before I, I came back to that one, was a really tough job to work on. Um, what answer uh, was that? No, no, that was uh, Hair, the musical. Oh, um, oh yeah, Hair, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was, that, yeah, it was indeed. Uh, that, was, that was a tricky job to work with and very stressful. And I enjoyed working with, 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 with some of the people on the show, but other people, it was very hard work. So it, it actually coming back to you guys was actually very easy because I knew you were a, a nice bunch of people to get on with. I knew the management was going to be easy to deal with. And although some of the venues weren't fantastic, they were quite hard work, it was always going to be okay. And it was a fun job to sort of, in my mind, sort of, you know, finish off the year with, you know, mm. my intention was to retire, but who knows? Yeah, who knows, eh? I mean, because I'm, do you remember Tom Gates, that the, 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 not issue, but the problem we had quite a lot was, was the amazing AV technology, wasn't it? The, yeah. the projection that we were praying would never, and I think I don't think it went wrong a lot. Maybe once or twice there was a little hiccup, but there was that was always the the if there was going to be an issue, it was going to be that, wasn't it? Yeah, um, the, the the show that the set was for all intents and purposes a sort of white set with a few trucks, and it was all about the projection onto 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 the onto the set. I think we lost the upstage projection a couple of times, but nothing that was enough that the show would in any way be be compromised in a, in a big way um so it, it all i mean again because i joined after all the all the sort of technical glitches had been ironed out it, it all went quite smoothly i thought yeah can i ask you about um i mean you mentioned earlier on about why theaters say you know live theater is is quite is, is more appealing than say watching a dvd or something like that i, I want to ask you about what what you think theater is for because, you know, you know, I've only spoken to actors before this episode and I'm interested to see, you know, what what a technician maybe finds what is live theatre for. I think from my point of view, I mean, uh, you know, I've done it for quite a while. I still get an absolute buzz at the half hour call. I still get a buzz at five minutes. At beginners, when all the cast come backstage and you're waiting in the wings, to me, that's what it's about. It's a live performance. 
it's something you can't get from a DVD, a film or whatever. You get different experiences. I don't think the audience, or I hope the audience realise that every performance is individual. You're never going to get that same performance. There's going to be different changes, subtle changes that are going to affect, might not necessarily be, a, you know, you're going to get a, you might not get a, a, a below par performance or you might get something that's, that's truly exceptional. And that's part of the excitement of doing it. You also have the huge advantage as an audience member that you can sit. And unlike in a film where you're, you're directed, the director gives a close-up of a car or something like that, you can look wherever you want to on the stage. It gives you that freedom. And that's the, the skill of the, the performers, the lighting, the technical department, the director, that allows them to focus where they want you to watch. But ultimately, as an audience member, you can choose to watch wherever you want to watch. Um, the live performance, I think, is, is, is something that, that is vital, whether it's a musical performance, it's a, an opera, a ballet, a stage play, whether it's a, a tragedy, a comedy. I think that's, I think that, or a stand-up even, you know what I mean? You've still got all those things that you're not going to get back. And the audience are that extra ingredient that you don't get, mm. you know? Mm. And I think that, that to me, that's why, I, I, you know, I think it's, it's vital that we, you know, we get the theatre back and going. Um, it, it, it allows people to enjoy, and there's the communal enjoyment that you get laughing, booing if it, you know booing at the, at the, the, the you know the pantomime villain you all are part of that sort of communal all doing it together which you don't get watching a video you know so i think it does have that communal spirit to it i think it has a i think it has a huge importance uh and it's also a great grounding for for, for training with his actors or technical staff who go on to do other things because it's 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 really hard <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that, that's a great, I mean, run out of time and I want to get one more question in and that's a great segue into it, is would you have any advice maybe for young techies who are, say, you know, thinking of, of training, who maybe have trained and thinking of, of entering the industry, what, what advice maybe would you give out to, to technicians out there? Well, you know, I think the present circumstances make it very difficult and I really, really totally take on board how stressful and how difficult it is for people who've just graduated or about to graduate i think it's 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 not an easy job and i think you need to go in with your eyes open the hours from the technical staff are incredibly long and the working conditions are very hard at times um there is a lot of benefits to be had from it uh, the technical staff get regularly employed and there's lots of uh, you can go into television film live events there's lots of different threads you can choose to go into um but I think you have to re-enjoy your job and you have to enjoy that element of, of the live experience because I think that's that's ultimately why I go into it. I think it's you need to go in with your eyes open and, and appreciate what 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 the career path is likely to be and the, 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 the hard work that's involved. Uh, and sometimes you don't fully get the recognition that the performers get by the audience applauding them at the end of every show, which you know I think is is it should be recognized perhaps by, by, from all concerned that, that the work that people put in backstage, whether your costumes, you know, set props, all those things uh, sometimes isn't perhaps recognized. And, and it is unsung heroes, if you like, of the theater. Mm, definitely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, that's actually a great way to end it. Cause you're right. Yeah. The, uh, you know, technicians are never really fully utilized and I, you know, not utilized. What's the word? They're not never recognized the unsung heroes. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I always love it when, you know, you know, after a press night or a, or a final run and, you know, the cast bring the bring the text out on stage, because I think it's important that you guys get. And it's like, I remember when you came on stage once for a show stop, and people went, ah, there is somebody who works behind the set. <laughs> yeah. 
I hate I hate going on stage, Harry. So let me just put it out there. I hate going on at the end. So, but there you go. Each to their own. Great, Matt. This has been fantastic to talk to you. Thank you very much. I hope it's of some use. I hope it keeps people awake at night or makes them go to sleep. Whatever happens. <laughs> I mean, if it makes people go to sleep, I'd take that as a compliment. You've got a lovely... Absolutely. Well, I make people go to sleep. That's good. I'll take that. (laughs) Cheers, Matt. Thank you very much. You're welcome.